This is episode number 1,235 with number one New York Times bestselling author, Gabby Bernstein. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome back, my friend. Today's guest is a dear friend, Gabby Bernstein. And Gabby is an international speaker, podcast host, and of course, New York Times bestselling author who just wrote a new book titled Happy Days, The Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace. And we've had Gabby on a few times in the past and I've always left feeling inspired, motivated, and with more tools and resources to improve my life. So make sure you check out those other episodes. We'll link to those in the show notes at the end of this episode. And just a heads up as a trigger warning, Gabby and I open up and are pretty vulnerable about the different heavy experiences we've both had to heal and face in our lives. We dive into it pretty quickly right at the beginning of this episode. So just be aware that this is about looking at things that are challenging for people, looking at things that are hard, looking at things that maybe have hurt you in the past and giving you tools on how to really identify them, be aware of them, and then break through them, how to process and integrate the healing journey that we all get to go on. So in this episode, we discuss the difference between big and little traumas, a framework to begin healing trauma in your own life, even if you don't think you have any how to handle your response to being triggered in life, how to know if your coping mechanisms are truly helping or hurting you, and so much more. I dive into some personal stuff. Gabby shares as well in a personal way. So I hope this helps you reflect, and I hope it gives you some tools and inspiration to process whatever it is you might be going through, whether it be in your past or in your present. And if you're inspired, please share this with a friend. You can copy and paste the link, lewishouse.com slash 1235, and that'll send you right to the episode. You can take the link wherever you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcast or anywhere else, and just share it over on social media, text some friends, and let them know to check it out. And make sure to tag me and Gabby Bernstein as well over on your Instagram stories or Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook when you share it out as well. And I want to give a shout out to the fan of the week. This is from... Marwan, who said, I find the school of greatness not only beneficial, but also life-changing. I start the episode knowing for sure that I'm going to take something with me or my day is going to be changed. So Marwan, thank you for your review and for being a subscriber. You are the fan of the week. We appreciate it. And if anyone listening wants to be a fan of the week, just go ahead and leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts right now. Subscribe to it. Let us know your thoughts. Give us some feedback. We just want to hear from you over there. And me and my team go through these and we choose different people every single week. So big thank you to Marwan for leaving the review and being the fan of the week. Okay, in just a moment, the one and only Gabby Bernstein. Huge thanks to Edmunds for sponsoring the show and also for being the perfect solution to making the car buying process a little easier this year. The market is already a lot more competitive than in past years. With inventory shortages, it might get tricky finding your perfect car, but Edmunds will go the extra mile for you. The current car shortage means that some models are harder to find and more expensive than usual, so it's important to do your research through Edmunds before you purchase. 
Edmunds goes beyond just listing vehicles for sale. The Edmunds homepage has car rankings compiled by their review editors. Their website is so easy to use and it's packed with 50 years of trusted car shopping advice and price guarantee all in one place. I don't always know the best car options out there, which is why I love that Edmunds has their own top rated awards for the top cars to get in 2022. This helps take the stress out of the decision making. Car shopping can be overwhelming. Edmunds is here to help. Visit Edmunds.com and click on Edmunds Best Car Rankings to research and compare vehicles. That's E-D-M-U-N-D-S.com. Edmunds, we drive it like it is. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness. Very excited about my guest and my dear friend, Gabby Bernstein, in the house. So good to see you. Appreciate you. So grateful we're here together. Um, I feel like a lot of, both you and I have gone through traumatic events recently, sad events. Um, and I feel like a lot, the world has gone through sadness yeah. and trauma. Yeah. And we we're talking about before the difference between, you know, the little T's and the big T's, the bigger moments that feel like heavy mm-hmm. and also the kind of the daily traumas that we either put on ourselves or our environment kind of creates for us. Yeah. <laughs> and trauma is something that more and more people are talking about because i feel like people don't have the solution on how to heal as an athlete when you hurt yourself you can't keep playing until you heal the bone or you heal something Mm -hmm. if you tear a muscle you can't really keep playing Mm -hmm. if you do you're gonna hurt yourself more but whatever for whatever reason in our emotional life when we go through a tear or rip or something broken we seem to just keep going without healing. If we go through a breakup, we don't really heal. If we go through a, a business breakdown, uh, we lose our career, we just keep moving without healing. Why is healing so important for everyone at all times to be on that journey? And how do we heal trauma You know, when it's invisible? All right, going in with the big stuff. <laughs> so, and it's all big stuff here. Yeah. And, and we are ready to go there. You and I have mm-hmm. been talking about our own traumatic experiences. And in fact, I want to acknowledge that the first time I really spoke publicly about remembering my own childhood trauma was with you. Yeah. Because yeah. you made made me feel safe enough to do it. Yeah. I, where do I begin? So we run from these impermissible feelings from our past. Mm-hmm. These are emotional disturbances from our childhood, traumatic events, trauma with a big T, trauma with a small T. A big T trauma is being sexually abused as a child, having some kind of violence, living through a catastrophic event, mm-hmm. uh, growing up in an alcoholic home. A small T trauma is being bullied. Yeah. Uh, small T trauma is being told you're stupid by a teacher. Mm-hmm. Small T trauma could be living and surviving COVID. Mm-hmm. We've all lived through trauma way before COVID. Right. It's just now more present for <laughs> yeah. us. But the traumatic events from our past are the ones that are so impermissible because inside those experiences, particularly childhood developmental experiences, is the shame, the impermissible rage, mm-hmm. the yeah. feelings of inadequacy and feelings of being unlovable. And so we build up all these different protection mechanisms around us to avoid ever having to face those impermissible wounds. Mm -hmm. And those protections could be 
achievement. They could be, they could look good on the outside. Yeah, That's yeah. the scary thing, right? So workaholism can be really praised at times. Yeah. Um, those, the, it can look like alcoholism. It can look like drug addiction. And we just create all these forms of protection around ourselves to never have to go there. But what's happened recently is in COVID and when we've been struck with feelings of not being safe, feelings of being out of control, a lot of our typical coping mechanisms won't work anymore. What are typical coping mechanisms for most people? Typical coping mechanisms, heading to the fridge, overeating, uh, overworking, not working, like numbing out, vegging out, the, the, the sofa, mm -hmm. uh, a coping mechanism. And I refer to coping mechanisms as protector parts. I am now trained in internal family systems therapy. And so in IFS, we talk about these protectors. And what are they protecting us from? Those exiled child parts, those impermissible parts that we don't want to ever touch, don't want to go into. Protectors are the um, coping mechanisms. The, Correct. The addictive or non-healthy coping mechanisms. Correct. That I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Those so, are called protectors. To totally. The exactly. things that we don't want to go and face the pain, the And shame, sometimes we the... don't even know that they're a problem. Right. Like... A, like a workaholic may not, may not yet know that that's a problem for them mm -hmm. or uh, codependency. So they're constantly protecting themselves by finding relationship or there's the, for me, there was the controller. You, you were, you were in studio with the controller many times mm -hmm. and, and you also even went as far as to like almost pick up on that at, at early in our relationship yeah. where you're like, you know, it could be a little easier. You would, you mm -hmm. noticed it for me. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's, and I have one that's called Knives Out. She's not out anymore, but she she was like this, like, you know, like if you f with me, I'm you f with dead. death row, like <laughs> I am done. So, so. were those your two main coping mechanisms, I guess? Was well, like the well, there was my 25 year old cocaine addict. And mm. then there was the, um, you know, another interesting protector part is even spirituality at times, because while it's a beautiful practice to be on a spiritual quest, and it's what I've been writing about for over a decade, we we can at times use our spiritual practice to get above the pain mm. and so give me an that, example uh you're newly sober and you're like in every meditation class and you're doing you know your kundalini yoga and you're you know you're you're just you're getting high on your own supply right yes. which is excellent it's much better than drinking and there's and it's a beautiful pursuit but it's also another form of protecting what is deeper. Mm -hmm. And frankly, m that spiritual bypassing, as we would call it, is actually a tremendous gift at times because it's too painful to go to those places. Yes. So if spirituality is what you've got, that's way better than the drugs and the alcohol, right? right? But, but you're still masking But it's in still a sense, another right? way of masking. It's still another way of getting above what is so uncomfortable to face below. What were the two or three biggest things that you weren't willing to face for so long? So. For the reasons why you had these. You I know. didn't even know what they were. Mm. I, I got clean and sober at 25 and became extremely fascinated by my spiritual practice and became a spiritual teacher and started writing books on spirituality and personal growth. And then all the while was writing books and on Oprah and, mm -hmm. you know, friends with guys like you and, you know, doing my, moving my career forward and helping a lot of people and losing it on the inside, just cracking on the inside. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was 36 years old, 
I was, this is about probably maybe six months before that interview I referenced between yeah. you and I, I was uh, just completely overwhelmed with my reality that I had created. What reality? The, extreme control oh okay so i had authored maybe six or seven books i'd had all this busyness happening and you remember i I had no team i had like Mm, one virtual assistant running this like business that could have had 20 people at the time and so i just kept just pushing 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 and all because i was trying to control i was trying to stay safe i was trying to uh stay safe from feelings that I didn't want to feel, but I didn't know that. So I kept looking back saying, why was I a drug addict? Why am I such a workaholic? Why am I codependent? Why am I, why, 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 why? Until Hmm. I was 36. Interesting. And had a dream. And in the dream, I remembered being, I I remembered I was an adult addressing that I had been sexually abused as a child. In the dream. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I woke up and I was like, no way, never talking about that again. I had a talk that night. I was like, no, down, get down. <laughs> wow. And a few days later, I was in therapy and my therapist was asking me a few leading questions. And mm. one thing that she said in particular just catapulted me into the memory and not visual or details, but just the acceptance that this indeed did happen to me. And so it turns out that for over 30 years, I dissociated from a childhood memory because it was so extreme. And I ran from it in all the same ways that we run from trauma with the workaholism, the cocaine addiction, the love addiction, all of it. What's the root of the the shame? Uh, What's the root of hiding or overworking or controlling? Is it shame that I'm not enough or that it's just too hard to face this pain or that if people knew this about me, no one would love me? What's the, the the core fear that a lot of us face when that event occurs? So I don't think it's necessarily a logical fear uh-huh. that we have in our conscious awareness. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sense. It's a underbelly. And the more personal growth work we do, we can see, oh, okay, mm. you know, I, I worked so hard to be seen, or, you know, you can start to see the map. But when we're in it, it's really hard to recognize. Yeah. So much so that in the book I write about, I wrote, I write this chapter about shame. And I tell this whole story about how I'm in this training where I'm teaching, but I'm also with two other teachers. So when the other teachers were leading the workshop, I was in the audience, just like, oh, let me hook up my friends. I'll check sit and listen. Yeah, 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 check it out. Like the whole workshop is on shame. And I'm thinking, I don't have any shame. <laughs> 36 years old, yeah, you know? I'm, I'm succeeding, I'm driven, I'm this. I just, I, it's such a, mm. it's 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 the most uh, difficult emotion to face, and mm. being in that room, that one exercise, I was like, oh my god, this is what I've been running from. This is what I've been hiding from. This is you know, d- decade into my sobriety, and I'm just touching into this now. Wow. What was the exercise? It was, I think it was about like witnessing how you respond to things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being aware of like how just you react. Becoming conscious you know. of what it feels like. If someone is a triggered human being in life, maybe not every day, but something happens and it triggers them. Mm. What is that saying about the person? Mm. That they haven't healed something that's mm-hmm. allowing the trigger, that those events mm-hmm. have power over them, that they're, you know, they have 
negative coping mechanisms, what is that reactiveness mm-hmm. or shutdownness and not standing up for yourself mm-hmm. or whatever it is that people do, an unhealthy reaction, let's say. So the trigger, I'm going to speak to this in, in IFS language. So Internal Family Systems was founded by my, my, my new friend Dick Schwartz, and it's just the most beautiful wow. therapy. Internal Family Systems. Yeah. And I now did the level one training. I'm going to carry on and continue training in this. It's the most incredible practice I've ever used. And I've been in that type of therapy for a decade. And then I most recently got mm-hmm. got it under my belt. And so what, what it is, and I could do some with you too today. What it is, is the premise that we have these exiled child parts that the, the young boy who was sexually abused, the little girl who was sexually abused, or just the kid that was bullied or the kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't okay, want to just say just because right, people right. are committing suicide over this, but, uh, or the, the, you know, being told you're not good enough or whatnot, yeah, or just a little bit yeah. of neglect or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Those experiences from our childhood just get so pushed away, locked under lock and key, never to be spoken of again. Then the protectors show up and from a very young protectors age. Protectors meaning coping mechanisms. Exactly. Yeah. And any time, and the protectors actually have two different forms. There's managers, which are just sort of like, you know, workaholic, you know, like working work. And then there's these firefighter protector parts that are like, F this, cannot go any further. I am going right for the drink or I got to go yeah. right for the fridge or just, just the addiction, the addictive parts, right? So those are all known as protectors. When we get triggered, when there's a moment where that, child part gets activated your your father just passed mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of triggers that came yeah. up around that without any deep awareness of our system our internal system will get activated the the young part might get activated because we feel out of control we feel unsafe something activates that part we that when that feeling starts to creep in whoosh, the protector comes right in the protector is like gonna work gonna eat gonna run gonna run 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 the run. reaction yeah. Yeah, the reaction. Yeah. yeah, gonna control, gonna, you know, whatever it might be. Scream, whatever. Rage, yeah, blame, yeah. judge, judge, self-attack, attack others, binge on television. Mm-hmm. Anything that that part can do to anesthetize the voice of that or the presence, even this tinge of feeling sensation of that exiled child part. And then the beautiful good news is we all have what's known as self. And for years as a spiritual teacher, I would have called this higher self or God or universe. Mm -hmm. And in this case, I would call it self with a capital S. And self is the compassionate, Mm -hmm. calm, courageous, curious, creative part of who we are that is always, has always been there. It's the truth of who we are. It's the soul of who we are. And it's a non-physical energy that Mm -hmm. is us. And when we learn to connect to that self energy and let that self energy relate to and support the protectors, then our entire system can relax. Mm-hmm. So we could demo that today yeah, if you demo. want to. Are you talking about like being able to step outside of the emotional reactive self and saying, okay, kind of let me coach myself. Correct. My yes, very much so. Good listening, yeah, man. Yeah, so he's such an active listener. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's becoming your own internal parent mm-hmm. and letting mm-hmm. self be the leader of your internal family system. Your highest version of yourself. Correct. Your kind, exactly. loving, compassionate. The self. compassionate, courageous, curious part mm-hmm. becomes the internal parent to all these other little parts. Yeah. So it's the internal family system. 
in yourself that's internal, correct. not your family. It has system, nothing to do with your family. Yourself, your own family. When you were five, when you were ten, when you were sixteen, and when you were thirty, your protectors, your exiles, all the, about all, all the, the parts. messiness of your. So you, family. Lewis, are not just Lewis. You are Lewis, the athlete. You're Lewis, yeah, the, yeah. the the hard worker. You're Lewis, the child who was abused. You're Lewis, the kid who lost the guy who lost his dad. Right. You're, but it's not just these characteristics. It's the personality traits. These different personalities Absolutely. of who you are. So who are There's some of your protectors? personalities, right? Tell me who, who you, yeah, exactly, multiples. So who are the protectors? Um, How do you protect yourself when you get triggered? What What are some of the ways that you sweep in? I mean, I feel like I've done a, it's funny because I was telling my girlfriend Martha this, when we first started dating, I said, I want to be 100% who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not going to change for you or anyone. I'm going to change for me in the ways I want to improve mm-hmm. and grow at the right timings of my mm-hmm. life. And I go, there's only one thing, like, you can do anything and it will not upset me. Yeah. You can talk to 20 hot guys who are shirtless. I could care less. Okay. You can be, because she's an actress. I'm like, you can make out with a guy on a TV set for film, for, for art. It's not going to affect me. You can, whatever. I could care less. Um, but I was like, there's one thing that may trigger me. Not mm. all the time, but it mm. might trigger me. Mm. And are you okay with accepting this about me? It's only happened twice. It actually happened like a few days ago. It's only happened twice in like nine months, but I was like, listen, this is going to happen potentially. What is it? Um, it's not even really that big. It's not like I'm super reactive or something, but sometimes I can, I, I would say I've improved a lot on this, but in the past I felt like my word, when I would say something, certain people in the past in intimate relationships would not take my word when I just say, here's the truth. Oh, so trusting you. They were just, they wouldn't listen to me or trust me. And then when they would keep reacting to something that was made up or imagination mm-hmm. that wasn't happening in an event or experience. And I was like, no, this is what happened. Mm. No, this is what happened. No. So I'd have to repeat myself over and over again to make sure that someone was listening or someone was hearing because it wasn't. So when that happened, when you didn't feel. Like someone would create a false story about something okay. happening. Okay. And they were believing so firmly yes. that that was the truth. And I was like. That's not the truth. How Don't is, attack me. You know how, what what's I mean? your response in those moments? My response was, is originally, you know, like, no, this is the truth. But then if it is not believed, then I kind of go in a loop of like saying it over and over again. Okay. Even if someone then, like Martha is now like, okay, I believe you. But then I'll like keep repeating it. So proving yourself using, or how? It's just like, um, Let's just if check someone in. doesn't feel like, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's proving myself. It's just feeling respected for my word like this is the truth this is how i'm feeling Mm -hmm. and making sure that you know it's respected and honored is really what it is okay yeah so do i have some buy-in to check in with that part of you sure okay so when that happens and gets activated what are you feeling in your system or what do you it notice? It doesn't happen right away. It's more like if I feel like after like, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 minutes, like it's not landing with the person, mm-hmm. then I feel like, oh, I'm on, I need to protect myself. Okay. You know what I mean? So I have, I, I kind of loop sometimes. It's only what, happened twice in the last like year, but I'm just. What's the loop? What, how would you define the loop? Mm, it's, it's to protect myself from someone not believing me. I okay. Guess. Yeah. So, or my, that's my perception. They might I mean, already if you, believe if, me. If you but. had to define how you, like, like, is it, are you trying to prove yourself? Are you trying to, like, is there a specific mm. name of this reaction? I'm not sure in this moment what that okay. would be, but it's, it's, uh, I guess, proving myself. I don't know if it's proving myself. It's more like, 
I just don't feel like, yeah, my word is honored or something. Okay. I guess, yeah. So I don't want someone to think I'm out of integrity. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. And so what do you notice about that part in your body, in your mind? Is there an image? Maybe even close your eyes if you want to, but just is there imagery or a sensation physically in your body? It doesn't, if I think about it from the past, because I don't feel like a much of a physical reaction now, but in the past, I think I did where it feel like tension in the heart and like closed throat. Okay. It felt like. Okay. But I feel like I've done a lot of the integrating healing work where I don't feel that. It's more mm -hmm. just kind of like a habit still. Okay, cool. Okay, so it's just still coming up. It's less up. physical and like stressful. It's more like uh, mental now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's just being aware of it. And I'm even like, I was even telling you the other night, I was like, I'm aware I'm doing this now. But mm -hmm. it doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing it. Like, mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. aware in this moment that I'm in a loop in this moment. Well, let's help that part. Yeah. Let's help that part. Okay, yeah. so... So anything else that the part wants to reveal about, is it, does it have a gender? I'm not sure if it does or not, but it, it's probably just like a, it's probably just a scared little boy, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So the scared little boy. Probably, yeah. Beautiful. And is there anything that he wants us to know before we keep going? Is there anything that he wants to say out loud? Mm, he just wants to feel loved okay. and safe and protected and... yeah trusted yeah you know i never felt like i was people believed me when i was yeah. a kid yeah and so it's kind of like well why tell the truth if no one's going to believe me you know so i might as well just do whatever i want right. type of thing right and i broke that pattern eventually i think i got you know how do you feel towards him i feel very loving and compassionate towards him beautiful yeah does he know that you are here that you're adult resourced undamaged absolutely. stuff he knows yeah, you're here absolutely. Yeah. yeah okay because I practice it like daily, you know, the integration yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What might he need from you in those moments when the mm. loop is up for him? Just a pause, like a break. Okay. Yeah. And that's why okay. I told Martha, I was like, when this happens, if you feel like I'm doing this, just tell me, hey, I'm going to take a pause. And that's what I need, you know? Right. What does he need? I think he needs a pause. He needs to breathe. He needs, you know, just to walk and clear his clear his mind and, and feel safe, feel like I've got him, you know, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I'm protecting him. I've got him, you know, mm -hmm. we're in this together that he doesn't have to worry. How does he feel towards you? I mean, he feels pretty safe. Yeah. He does feel safe with yeah, you. Yeah, of course. He loves you. Yeah. Oh, that's so I nice. mean, I think he's like, wow, you're doing all the emotional work that I wish I could have had the skills or the tools, mm -hmm. the ability from a, you know, childhood brain mm -hmm. development stage. Mm -hmm that I didn't have those skills, it's like, okay, you're doing the work for me, so I trust you're, we're gonna be okay. Mm. Now, if you could, so he wants to go for a walk when he's uh -huh. activated, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Where would you guys walk? Just around the block, it's fine. Around the block, yeah, okay. Just, just a one time around the block, or just sit in some grass and just breathe and look up at a tree. Can you need. just take a moment to talk a little bit more about what where you might wanna take him, like a safe place that he could go with you? We just moved into a new place, so I don't, I don't know the surroundings of okay. the, the parks. But I would just go around the block in a quiet, in a quiet neighborhood, mm -hmm. and just you know see the dogs walking by with their owners, and yeah, just it's peaceful. How close is T to you when you're walking? He's inside of me. He's connected. He's he's in you. Okay, yeah, he's yeah. walking with it's you. Not like next. I'm not like holding his hand. He's yeah. like within me. Oh, beautiful. And. uh is there anything that you want to say to him if you just sort of visualize it in that walk? Uh, I would just say you're safe, you're loved, 
You have nothing to worry about. You know, even if someone, even if you feel like someone isn't trusting you or isn't believing you in this moment, I believe in you. Mm. So good. <laughs> now, just just one it's last. All, it's all, uh, you know, it's not a, and maybe, you know, I'm using the example of my girlfriend. It's not that she didn't believe me or not, but it's like. Uh, it just triggered it. Yeah, it's just like a. And maybe she did believe in me, but I just felt like it, she's not going to if I don't do this or something. Uh, so it's more of a perceived yeah. feeling than a than an actual truth. Yeah. Maybe sometimes or not. Yeah. So now we have this process of retrieval where yeah. when you notice that he's there, instead of getting in the loop, as you referred to, which it literally is a neural loop, mm -hmm. what if you could Take him for a walk. Yeah. That's literally, I thought the last one was like, I'm just, I might just need a pause. You know, we just go take a pause. That's right. Take a walk. Right. Nothing against this conversation. Just, you could, you could literally take him for a walk. Yeah. You could visualize taking him for a walk. Yeah. And I do that with, I do other exercises with the little Lewis inside mm -hmm. of me. And, you know, I showed you on my phone. I still have a photo of my mm -hmm. five or six year old self. And so I do practices on a daily basis where I'm just like, I got you. We're you clearly together. do. I do it all the time. Because you, what you have, Okay, so let me tell you what you've got going on, okay, man. You go are, you're, you've, you're such a testament to your listeners and viewers of someone who has done such deep transformational work. It's yeah. so profound; it almost made me cry. Thanks. You have a direct line of access mm -hmm. from self energy, the compassion, courageous, caring, undamaged adult part of you. Right, has a direct line of access. To him, right. to the little boy. Now, listen, not everybody can even go to the little boy because the little boy was an exiled part. Right. Okay. A long time. And I years. was just trying to yeah. talk. I remember I kept trying to be like, well, what is it? Is it protection? And it's like, no, you went right to him. Yeah. Okay. And so you've already done so much work in your therapy of retrieving him, bringing him into your workouts, bringing him into your mm -hmm. phone, all these things. And so he's he's very intertwined and he's very, he's very much so... Uh, has direct access to, mm -hmm. to you and mm -hmm. to self and self yes. has direct access to him. But in those moments, that's right. And that's why we were so easy to get there. But there are always, there's still more work to do. The child, the triggers are going to be, so there's still a trigger that you even were so aware of that you brought it to her from the get go. Mm -hmm. And that trigger, when it gets activated, gets into a, a protector part, yes. which is, like you know, defending myself defensive. Or, yeah. That was, yeah. the, I didn't want to say it for you, yeah, but that's yeah, the word. Course. So defensive. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense because it's likely you were not believed as a child. Right, yeah. And that is a horrific experience, horrific yeah. thing. To Which, I mean, there's so much emotions around it because it's like, you know, with a lot of it, it's all parental stuff, right? Parents and then siblings and then peers, you know, kids and all that stuff. And it's like I was able to process a lot of this healing work in the last two weeks when my father died as well mm -hmm. to kind of go back and have conversations with my father, you know, yeah. it's like, and witness, you know, and also be grateful for the transformational. It was kind of when I was 13, he started to transform emotionally to where we had a different relationship. But before then, I didn't feel like I was believed by my, either him or my parents, you know, either yeah. my parents. Yeah. Whether it was true or not, that was my perception. Totally. Yeah. They may have, but it, I didn't feel it. Right. So that little boy, while he's had so much work. Yeah. And so much love and so much care and therapy and so much care from mm -hmm. Martha and so much care from adult resource Me, yeah. Lewis is still has still got some, you know, Absolutely. some some unresolved suffering and it may go even deeper. And so 
for now, just you, the next step would just be focus on giving him direct access to self. Yeah. Whenever you notice him, mm -hmm. get curious. Yeah. Oh, little Lewis, what do you need right now, yeah, man? Yeah, exactly. How are you doing? Like, what, notice what you notice about him and the physical sensations. Yeah. No, uh, you know, ask him if he's aware of your presence. Mm -hmm, that's good. And then whenever possible, you can remove him from the situation, take him for a walk. Mm -hmm. You know, when a child is having a moment or a tantrum or feeling really out of control, what we do as conscious parents is we connect and then redirect, as Dan Siegel says. So Connect. And then redirect. And then yeah. redirect. Yeah. Not so just say, go to your room or something. Or, or just be like... I'm going to deal with this and just make Marta believe me. It's actually, hold on, Marta, I'm going to take little Lewis for a walk. And so it's actually unbelievable. She's sitting in the room, everybody. <laughs> but it, it's truly amazing. I mean, this is yeah. like so life-changing for this for this marriage. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> for this relationship. Yeah. And um, which, you know, I officiate weddings. Okay, so um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No pressure, people. Um, but 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 really, it's, it's, it's transformational work. Yeah. This is the work that my husband and I do. And it, it, it's life-changing. When you can start to see each other as your child parts mm -hmm. or in a protector part mm -hmm. then her self-compassion her capital s compassion mm -hmm. can be a direct access for you absolutely and that's why i told her early on i go if you she's incredible because she just kind of allows me to she's very peaceful and calm in those moments she's like extremely spiritually advanced and so she's able to just like kind of listen and not like make me wrong or judge me and kind of say, I hear you, I'm mm -hmm. here for you, I got you. Mm -hmm. Like She has a lot of self-energy. So she calms it down. Even if I might go for a few more minutes, she's like, I hear you. I yeah. want to say, I hear you, I've got you. Know, and then I come on like, okay, I just need to take a break. And then I can come talk to you again. That honestly is she's the, the most she's beautiful She's not reactive and like saying, yeah. you are bad. Or, you know, so it's it's incredible. She's yeah. in herself. She's sitting in the seat of self Absolutely. when you're activated. Yeah. She doesn't get triggered. And it's not always going to be like that. So right. the most important thing is, and not everybody's going to be a Marta in your life, you know? Luckily, the one of the most intimate relationships is her, mm. but there's going to be people at work that may not, you know, or situations where you get, you know, called out online or whatever happens, uh -huh. and you're going to be like, no, they don't believe me. Mm -hmm. And and that's when you we want to go right into direct access from yeah. self with a capital S right to little Lewis and take him for a walk. Uh -huh. Now, here's the thing. You know, I started a healing journey at 30, not eight and a half, nine years ago, of talking about the biggest shame that I faced, which was the sexual abuse when I was a kid. And that started unlocking a healing journey. As my therapist says, healing is not an event, it's a journey. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just like, oh, I have mm -hmm. this awareness, I feel good now that I released it. Mm -hmm. It's like a constant integration of exercises and practices. Every, my journey is right here. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I, I thought I, would, I was a lot better. I mean, I thought like, okay, I figured this out. Because mm. after like two mm. years of talking about the abuse mm -hmm. with you know, friends, family, therapists, and then opening up publicly. Not that I see, I don't suggest people do it publicly about their shame, but I feel like it was a responsibility for where I was at. I felt like, oh, okay, I can talk about this and it doesn't trigger me, right? But I still hadn't healed things from intimate relationships. Yeah. And so the last year was really doing therapy every week. Yeah. Integrating the lessons, the healing that I was feeling, the tightness in my chest, my yeah. throat from intimacy. Yeah. 
and reconnecting with the little child in that part of my life. A hundred percent. Not just sexual abuse, but now what let's talk about relationships, yeah. parent stuff, everything else. And I feel like um, there's obviously going to be more, you know, that I'm uncovering, you know, every few years probably. But right. most people, number one, that I've interacted with don't, aren't even aware of their traumas That's or their correct. shames. Right? That's correct. So they're not even aware of that they have a broken bone in their body or a broken They've been running organ. with a broken leg yeah, for decades. Leg, yeah. And they're not even aware, right? right? They're just taking medicine right. or they're masking it or they have a cast on it or whatever it is. And so I'm constantly doing the practice to be like, what else do I need to be aware of? What else do I need to be aware of? And then I'm holding myself accountable with therapy or friends or, you know, partners or things like that to be like, okay, where are my triggers? How can I keep growing? Mm-hmm. And then I'm trying to integrate the lessons I learn into a daily practice to to heal and hopefully not have any triggers at all is the mm. goal is to be mm-hmm. triggerless or reactionless yeah. and be more more responsive, you know, re- responding. For those that aren't aware of their emotional traumas and also for those that have tools in a healthy way to, to to navigate those what would be the process, would you say? Let's say, give it a framework Yeah, it's for an, healing trauma. Is yeah. it like a, if you could simplify it, not that you I can, can simplify it, but if it's like there's yeah. four steps to healing trauma, yeah. three steps, one, be aware, two, like, because it's really hard to do it on your own. So I'm going to read you the chapter titles, cool. okay? Because this is the journey. Yes. It's my, this is, this is my journey from recovering from trauma. In that process, I share many, many methods and tools that one can use immediately and also introduce the therapeutic practices that changed and saved my life. And in introducing those practices, I actually give ways that you can do them in real time Mm -hmm. so that you can say, oh, this was really soothing for me or I just listened to Gabby do some IFS with Lewis. I want to look further into IFS. Mm -hmm. But the journey looks to me like this. And then I think we all have our own individual journeys, but my hope in this book and the intention here is to help the reader, one, know that they're not alone, and two, know that there is a guided path from trauma to profound freedom and inner peace. Mm. There's no way I would put my face on that cover if I couldn't stand behind that, <laughs> right. okay? So here we go. So the first chapter one is become willing to, be f- willing to become free. Mm-hmm. Willing to become free means you can't even open this book if you don't have a desire to want to be free, yeah. to want to be free, to look more closely, to to even just have a mustard seed of hope that there could be a better way. So how does someone start the willingness process? Well, if they're still listening, they're willing. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. You have a curiosity, you're willing. If yeah. you're here, you're willing. Yeah. Uh, and and if, even if you tuned into this episode, you're willing. Because yeah. I'm sure there'll be trauma somewhere in the title or, you mm-hmm. know, or, or whatever you decide. But it'll be something that's going to be an acknowledgement. Yeah, there's something in that for me. Mm-hmm. Many, many, many more people are willing these days than ever before. I think that, that if I'd written this book five years ago, I'd have a half the audience that I have mm-hmm. now. Right. I mean, I mean that. Okay. For this specific content. Chapter two is become brave enough to wonder. So in my case, I literally didn't remember and had to be brave enough to wonder what was there. And, and in, in other people's cases, they just have to maybe wonder, not that they don't necessarily remember what happened to them, but to wonder what could be behind these triggers. What could be some mm-hmm. feelings behind these triggers? What could be, 
I did a podcast with somebody the other day and she was like, I have, she's like, my co-host has so much trauma and she's so open about it. And she's like, I have no trauma. Within five minutes, we were like <laughs> the neglectful father yeah. and the this and the, you know, like it was just like instant and everybody's got it. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got it. So you just have to become brave enough to wonder. And it she, might be a little T, but it becomes big T over time. Well, it was interesting. She's like, I guess I just have little T, little T. And then she started to describe her story and we were both like, that's big T trauma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, chapter three is why we run. So what is it? What is the reason that we're running? Why are we running and recognizing, okay, we have this trigger, we have a feeling behind it, we have a reaction to it. And then what could it be? Is it just so, it's so painful for us to face it? That's why we run most of the time? That's right. It's just yeah. so hard for us to what mentally, emotionally well, underneath it. all of the unresolved traumas, big T, small T from our past is the belief system that we are unlovable yeah. and inadequate. Yeah. How and we did not you said beautifully that now little Lewis has big Lewis helping him process mm -hmm. this stuff that he wished he'd had when he was little. But when we're young, we don't and if we don't have a caretaker or a primary care caretaker that has a secure attachment to us, helping us in those in those young moments to feel safe and seen and soothed and secure, as I talk about later, and I'll get into that, then we literally have to rely on the protectors. Mm -hmm. All those storylines that we build up, the parts. Yeah, yeah. The ch the challenge is, I mean, how many parents? have tools, are healthy in their own emotional... So... Like how do they... How do you raise a kid who's healthy when so many people are struggling with their own challenges? Read the book. Yeah. I'm so serious because then we get into... Well, if you fast forward to chapter nine, it's about reparenting yourself. Of but so much of this book is... If you go through this uh -huh. book, you are you will be a better parent. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I've got a whole I've got a, a chapter in here about hiding behind the body that we have impermissible rage locked up in our back pain, in our headaches, in our gastrointestinal issues, in eczema, our insomnia, whatever, yeah. eczema. And I talk about the psychosomatic effects of the mental disturbances that have not been resolved and how they affect the body. Mm -hmm. And then speaking about shame and then going even further and IFS and all of the somatic work that we can do and then it carries on. So I take you through, this is the playbook. Yes. This is the playbook. And now one thing I'm really cautious of with the reader is not every chapter is going to be right for where someone is right now. Right. For you, you could pick this up and be like, yeah, I could do all of that or I've done half that and I'm going to do more. And and for Marta, the same, it could be somebody on the street could be like, okay, I just have to read this right now and just take it in. Yeah. I can't even get started. I got to come back in a gonna, year yeah, to yeah. do the exercises. Now, okay, so once we're aware and once we have the willingness and we're starting to wonder and look at some of these things and we say, okay, here's two things from my past that I haven't been willing to tell friends, partners, husbands, wives, spouses, parents, like I've neglected to talk about these things. They're so shameful. I'm so afraid to talk about them. Let's say it's one thing, two things, whatever. What is the next step? Once you become aware of your trauma and you know there's something you want to heal, mm -hmm. is it, well, there's a number of different therapeutic experiences you could go through. Mm -hmm. Here's a few to try. Is it everyone does it differently? Some mm. people are more introspective and they do journaling pr prompts. Others need to speak to someone. Is there, What are the best ways to heal and, so, and really integrate the healing? Because I think it's, again, I don't think it's like I'm aware and I'm healed. It's like you got to integrate the practice. And every time you're triggered, can you breathe and respond differently? Integration is the word, actually. It's, it's, yeah. it's the word. And well, 
Like I said, everyone's going to resonate with different methods in this book that are appropriate for them at mm -hmm. this time. Mm -hmm. You can trust your own internal system and intuitive force to know what's safe enough for you today. Yeah. You'll feel it in your body. So for me, I wasn't going to be able to do the somatic experiencing, the body-based work until X period, like, you know, two years ago, because really? that was when I could feel safe enough in my own body and, and almost back in my body. Like I would just departed my body and I was like back in my human What's body. What somatic experiences? You mean like just body work or so physical? So SE, which is somatic experiencing, I write about in this book, it's invented by Peter Levine, is built on the premise that trauma is the inability to be present. And when we mm -hmm. have deep-rooted trauma, yes, it's activated in our thoughts at times, but primarily it's body-based. So we have these triggers mm -hmm. that then Store send- the body. The body keeps the score, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So they send these messages, these, these, these triggers send a message to the brain that says like, fight, flight, freeze. And so what happens as a child is whatever you were unable to do, like in my case, let's say I needed to push someone off of me, that became, I mean, I was not able to complete that, wow. that full blown, you know, so fight, flight, and then it froze, right? So if you freeze in time, you're, you're stuck, that, that energy gets truncated in mm -hmm. your system and you become stuck in the neural loop of fight, flight, you know, and then, yeah. and then you get stuck and then fight, fight, it's stuck, you know, and that re repetition, repetition. And so the beautiful process of, of somatic experiencing is about no storyline. It's not about this, the, what happened, where you, were you, it's all about the body and going right into the body, going right into the presence of the body and allowing the body to show you what it needs to do to fully Powerful. reprocess the experience. That's powerful. And so in some cases it's very slow, right? So it could be like if you wanted to punch somebody, it's like a really, really slow movement. Mm. And I give, and this is body-based work. So the practices that I give in that chapter are also things that you can do right now to start to ground your body. So a heart hold, like putting your right hand on your heart mm -hmm. and your left hand on your belly. And yeah. actually interestingly, hugging can, yourself. Try this out. Put your right hand on your heart mm -hmm. and your left hand on your belly. How does that feel? Feels, that feels good. Okay, yeah. switch hands. <laughs> Left hand, does that feel better or worse? Different, because I'm used to putting my right hand over my heart. So not as not as soothing. Not as, not as natural. There you yeah, go. Okay, yeah. so it's important. I just learned this. I interviewed Dan Siegel, and oh. I was doing this, and he's like, "Well, you put the right hand on your heart, but I do the left." And he's like, seventy percent of people put their right hand on their heart, and they feel that safety, yeah, yeah. and the rest kind of do the foreign. left. So yeah, you have to check good. on which side's right for you. Right. But the heart hold, or a head hold, mm -hmm. these practices are really profound for settling your nervous system. Uh, breathing in for two strokes, out one long stroke if you're feeling overly anxious and activated. So uh, tapping, EFT, which you've talked about. Tapping on the gamut point. So there's a point between your ring finger and your pinky finger. And if you're in that stressed out place and you're getting in the loop, yeah. tap, I am safe. And tap and just repeat, I am safe. I am safe. Mm -hmm. A power pose, like standing like Superman, you know, yeah. Superwoman. 
that can change your nervous system. So these practices are really body-based practices for letting your system settle in the moment. Mm. And then of course I say in the book, if you wanna go further, find a somatic experiencing therapist and here's how. Yes. And, and all of the methods that I was guided to for my recovery were all spiritual therapeutic practices. I can say this because I'm not in the clinical space, but I believe that they're all extraordinarily spiritual, mm -hmm. the specifics. So EMDR, which yes. is eye movement desensitization yep. and reprocessing. And that's designed, again, to help you reprocess that loop. So once we figure out which therapeutic experiences are best for us, right, because it's going to be different for each one of us, what would you say, you know, can we fully heal something? Yeah. Is it, how long does it take? You know, is it based on the trauma and how long we've set it stored? Is there hope for people to say, I don't want to have this trigger for the rest of my life? I want yeah. to feel like peaceful. Well, let me ask you when this. When things happen, I don't want to be reactive. Let me ask you this. In general, how do you feel? Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I feel good. Me too. Yeah, but I, for 25 years, I felt a lot of inner stress, you know, inner inner conflict so, and so anger. So thank you to the 25 years yeah. for all that it offered you to yeah. get you to where you are now. Right. But you feel awesome. Yeah. So do I. So while it's been a good committed devotional practice, we are living proof mm -hmm. that there is a guided path from trauma to profound freedom and inner peace. Absolutely. We're living that. Right. And it doesn't mean that we don't still have triggers. It doesn't mean that there isn't like more of the crystal to shine. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I still don't go to therapy every single week mm -hmm. and sometimes twice a week. But because I want to continue to care for and honor and respect all of the parts of who I am. Yeah. I mean, I come from the sports background, which you know, and I'm a big fan of doing, having accountability for your goals, right? If I'm talking about sports background, it's like, and I know I can't do it alone in athletics. Mm -hmm. So why try to do it alone in my emotional, you know, growth or totally. my, my mental growth, my spiritual growth. I can do, I can go pretty far on my own, but I think it's just good to have the accountability for whatever that looks like for people. I'm not saying they need therapy every week or they need to invest in something but it's good to have accountability however you find it i agree yeah i think it's really powerful it's, it's been one powerful of the reasons me. that the 12-step program works so well it's because of the fellowship it's because mm -hmm. you have a sponsor it's because yeah. you have meetings people are looking for you where are, where is that person today right, you know right. just got a text the message from one of my friends who have been sober we've been sober for 16 years he's been sober 17 years and i was the first first person i met in aa and he texted me today and he's like check it in you still good yeah Checking How in. How long were you in AA for? I'm still in AA. Really? Yes. So once you started, you never stop? Some people stop. So is that once a month? Is that once a week? What is that? Well, really depends on who you are and what uh -huh. you need, right? So I, I go to meetings now. You can go to Zoom meetings. I go to meetings in person sometimes, but wow. mostly Zoom since, since the pandemic, unfortunately. Right, right. Is it hard for people who start at AA to not need it anymore or are you kind of like well i think that can you transcend you, that i guess you, you can move into a different type of program you can move into a different type of therapy there's plenty of people when they get long-term sobriety that they start to feel less resonant with some of the meetings and things but it's suggested and i think recommended to stay close to it mm -hmm. because you don't want to forget where you came from right uh i think everyone's path is different sure I actually share a story in the book about sharing about I believe, and I, Gabor Mate would say this, and other other folks in this trauma. I've been watching his stuff. I love. He's his incredible. Stuff. Yeah, I gotta he's, interview him. Soon. Yes, you do. He looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, 
what he would say is that, and I agree with this completely, is that trauma is the root cause of addiction. That's what he says a lot. hundred percent. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Cause if you're not, yeah, if you're not, you don't need addiction if you're not traumatized by something, right? If you feel so, peace inside, why would you need to reach for some? Correct. Cooking? And we all have trauma and so we all have reactive ways of acting, but the bigger the trauma, oftentimes the bigger the coping mechanism, right. AKA the firefighter part. Yes. And that's an addiction, right? Mm -hmm. So addiction is a way of a huge way of putting out the fire. So, so the root cause of, or so the root of addiction is trauma or unresolved trauma, it sounds that's like. That's correct. And so if you want to eliminate your addiction, your negative addictions, the key is to figure out where's the trauma and start healing that trauma. Mm, yeah, that, right? that would be the goal. But I, right. I noticed when I noticed in my own with a lot of sober people in my life that they all have had similar experiences to myself and to you and big mm -hmm. T traumas. Yes. And even being clean and sober, it's still terrible. I mean, I was sober 11 years before I was ready to face into my trauma. big T yeah. trauma. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like if you would have faced it year one or two, do you think you would have? I wouldn't have been able to, and I'll explain to you why. So I said to my therapist, when I remembered that trauma, why now? Why am I remembering this now? And she said, because you're safe enough to remember. You're, wow. you're in, you've been in enough therapy. You have enough spiritual foundation. You're safe you enough to remember. You've got a good support group. You've mm -hmm. got a good partnership. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's right. But if he is saying that the root of addiction is trauma, wouldn't we want to start going to the trauma first? But if you're saying, if you don't feel safe enough to face it, it may take so you time. So that's, that's the point. So I think going to the trauma is so de delicate and gentle. Right. And it's like peeling back those layers of the onion. And anyone that's listening right now, still listening, because many people might have just been like, I'm so activated, you know, right. this is a lot for me. And they'll come back when in a, in a half a year or whatever, a year from now and listen again. But the bottom line is, is that we all have these traumas and we're running from them. And to go headfirst into them would be like ripping off the band-aid or just being in the dark and all of a sudden walking into the brightest light you've ever seen and it would maybe blast you out mm. and that can happen it does happen people do remember when they're not ready to and even when you are ready it's terrifying to remember <laughs> these things or accept things yeah. but yeah it's it's you have to go slow okay so what about if someone is suffering do you feel like addiction is tied to suffering as well like yeah. inner suffering. And so if we feel suffering or inner pain, then we reach under these coping mechanisms that you call protectors. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in getting my nails done yesterday. They look really cool, right? Like cool. So yeah, very I was cool. getting my nails done. And I was talking with the nail artist and she was really lovely. And she said, she's like, I'm like, you're really relaxed. And she's like, yes, the building could be burning and I would be fine. Like I'd be like, okay, let's get out of the building. And then she said to me, the next sentence was, but I'm dying inside. Wow. And I said, oh, okay. So that numbed out person is your protector. Mm -hmm. Oh, like, oh, she's doing a good job. She's keeping you safe right now. And then I handed her a book. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, because I always carry books around during my book lunch. I, I just recognized that everyone is suffering. Those of us who've had the privilege of going to the places that scare us and coming out the other side and doing the deep work are suffering less mm. because we've been through mm. and care, continue to work on. We have tools to get out of it quicker. Yeah. And we've, we actually have 
retrained our brains. So yes. neuroplasticity shows that you can literally change your neural pathways. Mm -hmm. So you and I have the loop. You now are aware of the loop. Yeah. Five years ago, you wouldn't even have known the loop was there. Like, you know. Yeah. So don't try to change me. This is exactly. Who I am. Yeah. So I am. You know, I'm gonna prove myself, yeah. right? So we and defend, but we we the more work you do, the more you change your brain mm -hmm. and your nervous system and your reactivity yes. and all the ways that you run. And so there's a, all everyone suffering, some less than others, primarily based on your willingness to go to the places that scare you. Now, uh, Martha was telling you before we jumped in this about, you, were, you know, I was doing pretty much weekly therapy and, and reconnecting to the inner child and a lot of different stuff. Um, and at the end of the year, my therapist gave me an exercise. Mm -hmm. She said, at the, at the beginning of the year, she said, what is your intention? The first session I did with her. Love her. For this session, right? Mm -hmm. And what's your intention from wanting this therapy, this experience, coaching? And I said, I want clarity, peace, and freedom. Mm -hmm. And every time she asked me before our calls, what do you want? I said, clarity, peace, and freedom. And at the end of the year, she was like, have you found this? I said, I became this. Yeah. I was like, I didn't find it. I, I didn't create it. I became That's exactly it. right. I integrated it. I became it. Right. I am peace. I am clear. I am free. Mm -hmm. I haven't found it and grabbed it. It's not it something you have to find. It's yeah. something you have to release the blocks to the exactly. presence of. And she said, great. I want you to do an exercise. You know, um, I want you to give yourself, you know, write in a card that you've created this, like you've mm -hmm. become this mm -hmm. and put each one of those in a box, you know, tie a bow on it and then open it up on Christmas morning to receive the gift that you're giving yourself. So beautiful. Right? So it was this beautiful ritual. And then she said, also, I want you to, Martha was in on this conversation as well, so we both did this. She said, also, what's the gift you wanna give yourself next year? Mm -hmm. Like, let's plant the seed for what you wanna step into, because this was a big year for you. You created these things, you became them. What's the gift for next year? And I thought about it for like a minute. I think I said one thing, and she was like, hmm, I'm not sure if that's what it is. And I was like, oh, okay, I know what it is. It's ultimate courage. You know, mm. it's ultimate courage for just everything that, mm. now that I've created this foundation, it's like kind of stepping into more things, right? It's like, what am, what have I been afraid of or maybe resistant to in the past and now I'm going to step into with, with peace and with clarity and with freedom and not feeling afraid, right? Mm. And so I did that ritual and that practice. And then, you know, the next week I was like, we should, you know, I was telling Martha, I was like, I think we should move in together, you know, which I would never do in the past. You know, mm -hmm. I never was like curious about that. It was kind of a resistant, waited as long mm -hmm. as I could. So that was one thing. Um, that happened in the first month. And then my, my father passed away, which was like this 17 year journey of kind of wondering how long he would last and all these different things from his accident. And I remember I did a session with my therapist maybe two days after he passed that was already planned on the schedule. And I was like, you know, I wanted this, but I didn't know it was going to happen this quickly. Right. You know, it's, it's like, be careful what you want because the universe, like you said, will bring you things to, to see if you're actually going to step into that, mm. right? Like how you, how you respond to it. I'm curious based on, and I feel like it's been a, a beautiful journey, sadness and grief, but also like awareness of the beauty from these experiences, right? My father passing mostly. I'm curious with what happened in your life, losing your child recently, what was that 
how have you been able to practice and integrate the lessons you've learned mm. through the journey of something you're just very sad to go through? Yeah. You know, a big loss for you and your family. Yeah. Well, first I'll say that I think that having been through and come out the other side on so many different benchmarks throughout my journey gave me the felt sense and the energy of knowing that that's possible to when, get through it to get through it correct it's, it's just got to be yeah maybe. so just for the listener that's not aware i um was pregnant three and a half months ago five and i was five and a half months pregnant three months ago and i'd worked a year with ivf and i say worked it was work it was daily daily grind it's right? it's a lot and i did nine ivf treatments to get one healthy embryo and we kept saying, all you need is one. All you mm. need is one. Oh, my gosh. And my son, Owen, was his name, was in my body for five and a half months until my 20-week scan when I found out that he was still alive, but he was not growing because oh. my placenta wasn't giving him what he needed. And so I had to do a DNE, which is an abortion pretty much, oh and have, my him, gosh. have him. Yeah, I mean, it was that was horrific. Oh. And the days following well really it was the lead up that was the most horrific that i still have a lot of ptsd that the i have weight? to work you mean the weight? Like carrying a baby in you that's alive oh, yeah and then um follow, once everything was complete and i went home to my three-year-old beautiful amazing son and i had played i had my little kitten on the way right i was like in the hospital like talking to the cat guy being like <laughs> get me that cat, cat now um and <laughs> so i i went I, I came home and very quickly it was beautiful to witness all my work right there all my personal growth work uh -huh. and spiritual work right there in place for me like this soft pillow i landed into mm. And there was my IFS and it was like, oh, okay. My girlfriends would be like, why aren't you feeling more things? Shouldn't you just be upset right now? And I was like, no, I have a dissociation part that's doing a beautiful job keeping me safe right now. Yeah. I don't want her to stay there forever, but right now she's she, doing a she great, yeah. she's kicking okay? So I was checked out for a little bit and then right. I would dip into it and check uh -huh. out and dip in, but I was aware of that. I didn't get stuck in that dissociation. And then there was this faith part mm. that, is so much stronger than my fear for from 20 years of spiritual development. And I just know in my heart that this soul came to me in this way at this time to experience what it's like to be with oh me my and my gosh. body and to feel loved by me. And then that was enough for him. And I have faith that the soul will come back or mm. can come back in a different form, different than I expected. I believe, I've always believed that we have spirit babies and our spirit babies choose to come into our life at the divine time for them and for us. And right. sometimes they come to teach us lessons and sometimes they come to just experience the love in our system or to experience what it's like to be in a body. Right. And then they wanna go. And I, 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 I'm glad that I could facilitate that for him and I feel, and I asked him for a sign, which is a blue butterfly to show me he's around. And the oh. first thing I saw when I walked in the door was Marta's phone screen is a blue butterfly. Oh my gosh. And there's blue butterflies all in my life everywhere. So oh that's, my goodness. yeah, that's, that's, that's my, my sign for my son. And I do believe that an angel incarnated into my kitten. 
because that really helps. Wow. And having my my profound child Oliver, who's wow. you know holding me, just just providing me with the most incredible opportunities every single day to just be the best version of myself for him. Where do you feel like you're at in the process? Do you feel like you're you know? Well, you know, it's interesting. For decades, I've had this experience of counseling women and men, but particularly women, through this type of grief. And I realized when it happened to me... Like you would coach other people. Yeah, when they would yeah. Lose, they would have to abort or they lose a baby. Countless. Or, I mean, really? at least in one person in every audience, you oh, know? Wow. Women struggling to conceive, women struggling mm. with fertility, but mainly miscarriage or loss or full-term loss. Just horrific stories. Uh, two of my longtime coaching clients, two of them that were, I mean, I used to coach 20 year, uh, 16, 15 years ago, but two young women that I coached both lost babies full term. Mm. And so this, what I, the first phone calls I made was to them. And I just was like, remind me what I said to you. Oh, wow. And the truth is, is that I really looked at the the grief counseling that I had offered these women, even having not experienced it, and it was spiritual counseling, and said to myself, wow, this is what you've been training for. I knew it was true, I knew it worked, but I now, now was really it. living it. And it was really profound to just be the witness of how strong my faith is, and how strong my center is, and, mm. how, and how I am so resilient mm. and also so vulnerable too and willing to just continue the journey of grief in its natural order not right. force it not forcing like uh, mm -hmm. what's been the biggest lesson i mean it's only been a few months it's still so recent but what's been the biggest lesson for you with taking on the pro the grieving process that you've been teaching for others and just experiencing it all mentally emotionally spiritually physically i mean it's mm -hmm. a big physical transformation obviously yeah and, and that was tough a, that's tough being 20 pounds overweight and not having your baby there, right? Ugh. And uh, well, some of it has been really understanding that the a journey, a path through grief could look like titrating in and out of the feeling yeah. so that you could be completely fine and normal and dissociated or just in, happy in the moment and then feel into it and then be doing great. And then I did a podcast the other day and a woman shared her story with me. It was just, you know, and then, I, but it was beautiful. And we were able to hold each other in that same experience and to just be able to dip in and dip out. But the biggest, the biggest opportunity is for me to see how my faith is so much stronger than my disbelief. It's, it's, and my fear. I have such a str strong certainty that this happened exactly as it was meant to and that there's something else coming. How do people get to that place though? That maybe haven't had the training or the coaching or the you know. Well, the, the, you know, how do they I get to the place of certainty and a belief and not living in fear about anything, not just of like. A, it's really my a life's work. Truly, yeah. my book, "The Universe Has Your Back," is transform fear to faith. This whole book, "Happy Days," is all about reclaiming that serenity that you were just speaking of. Mm. And I've always loved this quote from A Course in Miracles. I'm not here to teach you the meaning of love. I'm here to teach you how to release the blocks to the presence of love. And so we all have that core sense of self with a capital S. We have that love, that compassion, that courage in all of us. We just have built up so many walls against it. Mm -hmm. And the more we 
tap into books like this, listen to podcasts like yours, the more we go into therapy, the more we spend time in spiritual settings or in, in therapeutic processes, the closer we get to that presence of self within. And that's the answer. That is the straight up answer. We, that nothing outside of us is going to be the source of our safety or security or happiness or worthiness. It has to be something that is restored within ourselves. Yeah. And it's, it's a process. And that's literally why I wrote this book, because Lewis, I care so much about this reader. I was having a call with my therapist and she's like, you know, you're working so hard and you're back to back. And I said, you know, I've never felt more on mission mm. than I do right now. Because I think about how much suffering I've experienced in my life and how committed and courageous I've been to come through. Yeah. And I just, I just want to be a power of example for every human that wants to heal to know that that's possible for them. Wow. And I'm so if I spend six hours in the ISO booth recording podcasts, it's, it's for a reason. Yeah. It's not about some credential. It's about making sure that whoever needs this is going to hear about it. Mm -hmm. What do you think your life's going to be at a year from now from all the things you're going to go through and the process of grieving and growth and learning and service? Where do you think it'll be? I guess it's tomorrow, two, 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 two. Mm-hmm. Where will you be, I guess, you know, a year from that date, you think? 2-22-23? Yeah. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, you know, where do you think you'll be? So I would guess I would say I'm just continuing to shine the crystals. So I would hope that the steadiness I feel now is just even more magnified. And my ability to witness my triggers and smoothly transition and take my little girl to, you know, to the bedroom and cuddle with her just is faster and quicker mm. and that direct line access to self is stronger and just more and more developed. I want to continue to educate myself. I want to get, I want to go further and potentially even see if I can get some credentials at some point. Really? N not really about the credentials, but just go do deeper training. Therapeutic um, trainings. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And just to really give my, I mean, I definitely want to go as far as I can with all the IFS training uh -huh. and most importantly, you know, somebody said to me like, oh, okay, what's next for Gabby Bernstein? And I said, what's next is next week. I can't wait to right, see right, my right. book in the hands of all these people and just witness their transformations and see them have the experiences. And, you know, so many people throughout my career have written to me and said, oh, this book changed my life or this book mm -hmm. changed my life. And I always say, no, I didn't change your life. The book didn't change. You changed your life. Like I told you a story. You did the practice. You changed your life. And so I've always felt that so strongly. And now more than ever, I feel this sense of, of urgency that this is so necessary. This is like required curriculum yeah. to be living in the human condition, whether it's my book or somebody else, Bessel van der Kolk or you know, your book or whatever it is that you find that's your, your path to recovery of whatever that means to you. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just what's, what's next for Gabby Bernstein is right now, yeah. tomorrow, mm -hmm. witnessing people hold the book in their hands. Yeah. I'll, I'll never experience labor or childbirth or anything like that, but I'm curious, what has been a powerful spiritual practice for you since over the last three months? Are you, are you able to have conversations with your child's soul? Is there something you 
hope other moms could do if they go mm. through this experience that you really recommend it's been helpful for you because mm. I, I don't know the statistics of miscarriages or things like that but oh they're insane like it's like 80 yeah. percent of people have so, like have some kind of miscarriage. really yeah do you feel like it's i mean i don't know do you feel like it's powerful to have a, a spiritual conversation with the child once the child is no longer physically there yes. is it because I'm not sure if moms do that or not, or if they yes. just kind of like move on to the next. Really depends on where you're at. Yeah. Uh, I what's think been, that yeah, sometimes been, the safest thing for somebody to do is just move forward or get yeah. you know get pregnant again. And that's that's totally understandable. Are you having conversations? Yeah. I so I hear spirit guide I have spirit guides and we all do, I believe. And I can hear that presence and I can feel that guidance. And I also know that my guides work through people mm. and friends and I was kind of, I have, I, right when I lost Owen, I had this immediate psychic knowing that there was another soul, that the same soul was coming back. And then, I, as I mentioned to you, it was like kind of really overly reiterated by every psychic in my life. Sure. And so that sense of knowing was so strong and then it was really reinforced for me. And there is a path forward that doesn't, it doesn't require that much of my body, but it's a path forward to this child potentially coming through. And I wasn't really like taking the actions on it. Like I like kind of took an action, like made a phone call to the doctor and then just like, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, he'll get back to you in January. They never got back to me. I was sort of just like hanging out. And then out of the blue, I got, it's the same doctor that my friend used for her son to, to with IVF. And, and ultimately she, she, uh, she did a, uh, she did a donor egg now has this most incredible child ever wow. with her husband. So she loves this doctor and she, she just texted me out of the blue and she said, listen, I just texted the doctor and asked him to fast track you forward. And I was just like, that is my baby in action. Wow. I was not sure. I was overwhelmed. I was feeling, should I do this? Do I want to do, you know, mm -hmm. like it was just a lot to go through. And yeah, so man. then you you god will do for you what you cannot do for yourself and mm. god works through people and my spirit baby works through people and wow. he was like jamie knock 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 you know get this going wow and she said yeah no i know wow mm -hmm. well <laughs> one of my <laughs> one of my triggers is i laugh when things are really sad yeah no dark. i do the same it's thing like, uh, i do the it's same not thing laughing at stuff i'm just like this is heavy stuff mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but i think it's important for us to all to look at it because heavy things are going to happen to all of us you know we're not getting out of here alive no one's getting out alive yeah. like there are things just sad things are going to happen and i think it's to prepare ourselves for um yeah that's, staying peaceful that's a nice point right so it's like doing a let's say you're not having an acute crisis someone that's in an acute crisis right now is like that's my book i want to read that book right now mm -hmm. someone that's just like oh like i'm doing some things i don't like to do read read the book now because it's prepare it's, yourself it, yeah it's 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 setting the foundation for a steadier system and the resilience it's mm -hmm. creating a life of resilience Absolutely. so that no matter what you face whatever it might be you can you can really be present Absolutely. and move through things with grace Absolutely grieve with grace you know just and the thing i really want to mention lewis is that that while we talked about such deep stuff and it's we only go to big talk here with you mm -hmm. and and it may feel like oh you know it's that's a lot you can have a lot of fun along the way 
Right. And you and I can both really speak to that. We've done the past 20 years, 25 years, we've been working on ourselves mm -hmm. really diligently with a lot of devotion, but we've had a lot of fun along the way. Absolutely. And we've had so much, so many miracles. And someone once said to me, how do I live a miraculous life? I just said, add up the miracle moments. Mm -hmm. And so all those miraculous yes. moments of relief, when you add them up, become a life of relief. Yeah. And here's, here's one, I wanna ask a couple more things and we'll finish up here in a second. Um, if someone is not willing to face their trauma, can they truly live an abundant manifesting life? If there's stored traumas, good, good there's defensive guards, hmm. or you're able to accomplish, accumulate, achieve, but still feel a lack of inner peace if you're not willing to do the deeper work. That's correct. So yeah. you can manifest and accomplish, but then it's still gonna feel like something's missing. Inside. Correct. And so you can manifest a lot, you can work your off and produce to a certain level and you can attract you know attract a partner and but there but the there won't be a sense of worthiness still you won't believe enough, you're right? worthy of what you attracted or mm. you won't be able to keep it or you'll sabotage or you'll keep looking for more mm. so it can never be our happiness can never be something that we get it has to be someone that we are. Ooh, yeah. So up until uh, three years ago, I guess for you, because you were, you know, number one New York Times bestseller back to back to back and building this massive business and you've got a great, you know, marriage and newborn son at the time. Did you feel like you were able to, and you were like the manifester, you know, you're like the attraction manifester teacher and you were doing mm. it for yourself, but did you feel like you weren't, something was still missing? Well, I, think that there is definitely periods in my early career where I was manifesting a lot, but I wasn't, wasn't, I was holding it and manifesting it because career-wise it was all in the pursuit of good. But these other parts of my life were just like totally falling apart. Really? So my career always believed okay. and I always f had complete full freedom because I knew I was on a mission. You were on a mission based, yeah. I was full service and love mm -hmm. and have continued to be. And so my, my career has never been it's just you think it and it will be and that what parts of your life were kind of oh i was 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 dramatically struggling in my intimate relationships with mm -hmm. friends and my my prior to my husband but with my husband and you know just relationships were a struggle not so much not so much like he and i but but my ability to really enjoy what i had manifested really? yeah and the and even the struggle to conceive and there's just a lot of things I wanted in my life that were not coming easily because there was more that I needed to heal. You had some blocks or some traumas mm -hmm. in that area. Mm -hmm. And so those things were mm -hmm. more difficult to manifest. And if they did manifest, they, yes, they were difficult to manifest. And I believe that one will block the manifestation if we're not in an energetic alignment with it, or we will get it and not be able to believe we're worthy of it and look for more or seek or more, sabotage, you it, sabotage it, exactly. How do we get into energetic alignment of something we want? Do the inner work. Yeah. And every, it's yeah. all about the inner work. Listen, I wrote a book called Super Attractor and it's the methods for manifesting a life beyond your wildest dreams. But what is that book really? Uh -huh. It's a book on how to feel good. That's it. It's a book on how to feel the good. The foundation of gratitude, appreciation, acknowledging yourself, loving yourself in order to attract. And every single one of my books, no matter how 
forward-facing the promise of manifestation may be are all books on personal development because mm -hmm. if because spiritual development is personal development the closer we get to that self energy the more spiritual we are because yeah. we start to be able to dissolve all boundaries with the presence of that spiritual self Absolutely. energy yeah Oh, I want people to get the book, Happy Days, The Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace. This is some of the journey that I've been on the last few years that I think is helpful for everyone. I think inner peace is the the ultimate key. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you, you don't get to inner peace without facing the trauma, the hurt, the pain, the sadness, the resentment, the angers, the frustrations, the whatever it is, feelings you have about yourself, or others, the world. You've got to find a way to heal and process yeah. in order to get to that place of inner peace. And I think that is the game we should all be on, figuring out how to find inner freedom, inner peace, no matter what circumstances are happening mm. on the outside, because they're going to keep happening. I find it fascinating that your therapist said, what are the gifts that you want to receive? And two of them were peace and freedom. Yeah. And clarity was the other one. That way. was my mantra as well. Yeah. Peace and yeah. freedom, because I didn't feel peace. Mm -hmm. I felt peace and freedom in certain areas of my mm -hmm. life, but not mm -hmm. in intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so it was, how do I get, you know, why... And, and I'm the common denominator of all these relationships breaking down in mm -hmm. some way mm -hmm. and choosing in a certain way. And, and attracting a certain yeah, type of person. Exactly. So yeah. I, I don't blame anyone else. I've taken mm -hmm. responsibility of me being the one at the center of all those choices. And all that beautiful 25 years of work yeah. has gotten you to a place of just profound grace. Yeah. And look what you attract. I know. It happened fast too. I, I remember when we did the interview with you, you were like, Lewis, now you're like the most eligible bachelor or something. I was like, Lewis is the most eligible. He's like, about that, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm actually dating someone now, but yeah. That was your outing moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I'm super, I'm super grateful for you. I appreciate you. I think this book is, is very needed, so I want everyone to get a copy for yourself and a friend. Happy days are, are here and are coming if you're willing to do the work. That's mm. what it is. It's willing to do the work. Um, do you want to know why I named it Happy Days? Sure. So I... When I was a kid, we would sit around the table and raise our glass. And instead of saying cheers, my family would say happy days. And in retrospect, I really wasn't happy then. Mm. And now, sitting here with you, with our, with our uh, lights, camera, <laughs> action, I am happy, truly, truly happy. That's good. And, and, and living happy days. Mm, mm. Happy beautiful. days. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> I want to acknowledge you, Gabby, for the constant work. I think I've known you for 12 years. I remember a time when you were dating your husband now, but you guys were dating. I, I saw you. I think I'd met you once before, but I saw you. I think it was off of Houston and mm -hmm. like Lower East Side. Mm -hmm. That's Soho where area. I live. Yep. Mm -hmm. There was a there was like a some music event and you were at and you were in the stairwell and I saw you. You probably don't remember this, but you were with your husband, your boyfriend at the time. And you know, I was going through all my own stuff. You were going through stuff. And I, and I, and I was just like, I remember it was like, I really hope a lot of good things happen to this person. Oh, wow. Because I knew you were doing so much good work then. This must have been 2010, mm -hmm. like 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so I've known you for at least 12 years. And it's been a beautiful journey to, you know, you've been so helpful for me and supportive of my growth mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. there for me in a lot of ways, emotionally and spiritually and just, you know, I wish we could spend more time together, but you know, whenever we catch up, it's always a beautiful. So I acknowledge you for constantly doing the work because you've been teaching this stuff for so long, but going through what you've gone through, I, 
I don't even know what that feels like. And so I acknowledge you for the challenges you've had to face, the the loss, the sadness, but also the profound wisdom and grace that has come from the adversities and your willingness and ability to keep teaching in a graceful way, which I think is really challenging when we go through hard times. Yeah. So I acknowledge you for, for constantly showing up. It's beautiful. Right back at you. Yeah, I appreciate you. Um, I've asked you this question, these last two questions a few times, but I'm curious where you're at now. Mm -hmm. So this is called the three truths. If you could only share three lessons with the world and all of your work was gone for whatever reason, all your books were eliminated and this was your last day on earth and you could only share three lessons with the world. Mm. This is all we would have to remember your information. Uh, what would those three truths be for you? Mm. Everything you're looking for, you have. Trust in the presence of love and courage and grace within yourself and focus on the good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Don't sweat the small stuff. I know the book is so powerful. Um, final question. What's your definition of greatness? Freedom and inner peace. Yes. Gabby Mercy. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Love I you. Love Appreciate you. you. I love you. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys. So share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great.